Biscuits, butter, uh, <laughs> cops, and cheese. Badass. Try harder. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Two Towns Over. It is going to sound very, very weird. <laughs> Excuse me. Because Ruben's allergic to something. But uh, by the way, it's bullshit. Also, also 11 letters. letters. That's going to be one of our t shirts one day. For sure. It has to be. <laughs> so um, we decided uh, fuck COVID and its stupid ass. And uh, so we got the people that we could together to uh, get an episode out as quickly as well. So we have an episode for you on Sunday. We missed the midweek. There's nothing we can do about that. But uh, we're here for the we're here for you. So uh, I'm Don. I'm not him. And we have a special guest. You've heard about her before. uh, And she's decided to jump in and help. Um, Josh did not get a sex change. Uh, we have Cindy, my wife Cindy, on the podcast today. She's going to help us out. Are you sure Josh didn't get a sex change? I mean, we haven't seen him in some time. Actually, I saw him two days ago. Oh, when yeah? I picked up the equipment. That's fair. That's still some time, though. Did you this make him true. drop trowel? No. Then you don't know. This is true. You know, he claims he had COVID. <laughs> he may just need 14 days <laughs> for a major operation. <laughs> So and then he'll be fine. But yeah. hey, no judgment. No, that there's anything wrong with that. So even though we did promise at the end of last episode that this week we'd be talking about Anton LaVey, the Church of Satan, and the Satanic Temple, we are going to have to uh, not do that this week because we had to get something out for you. And Josh really wanted to be part of that. Yeah, because Josh loves Satan. And <laughs> um, so what we're going to do this week, we're going to talk. As do we all. <laughs> Oh, I say Daddy. sitting in a Christian household. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so what we're going to do this week is we're going to talk about the 80s uh, reaction to uh, heavy metal music, uh, the PMRC, and the um, the backmasking phenomenon. Do, PMRC. Do, 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 do. People's, People's Music Resource Center. Our parents' music resource center. Sorry. That's the explicit tag, yes? Yes. Gotcha. Yeah, we're going to talk about where that came from today. So, all right. I mean, you know, I've never gotten sick. <laughs> so, all right. So, like I said, uh, this we're flying by the seat of our pants tonight because we're not in the studio. <laughs> we're literally sitting in my living room. And what? Nothing. You go uh, ahead. I'm, I'm texting Josh because oh. we can't talk to him because <laughs> he is... A world, he's so close and yet a world away. This is true. And the chances of him actually answering you? I mean, we're texting, so. Oh, yeah, so he's I've awake. Text, I've texted him before, and he never responds. Well, that's because he avoids you. This is true. 
All right. So, all well, right. I mean, I, you know, don't even worry about it. We have a special bond. <laughs> That's what it and is. Also, he's cleaning his house. Damn it. I just said I wasn't going to edit. Well, <laughs> too bad. Fuck. Now you're going to make me edit. I immediately said a thing that was personal that I forgot about for a second because I forgot that we were recording. <laughs> all right. So in the 1980s, Satan was everywhere. From the cinemas to the television, the moral citizens of America saw the Dark Lord in everything. Was he? Yes. Was he everywhere? He was everywhere. In the 80s. Yes. The, the, I guess televangelists were He's everywhere. everywhere. So He's that everywhere. makes sense to me. That's what the big hair was. It was hiding the horns. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. It wasn't just a ridiculous hairstyle built on aerosol. <laughs> and the less we say about spandex, the better. <laughs> <laughs> no. That's no. a fair point, Don. That that never should have happened ever. I'm holding the mic and I all of a sudden I feel like a nighttime DJ. <laughs> Don't well, know why that is We want to thank you all for joining us here on the Quiet Storm. <laughs> Coming up, How we do got you do that? How do you make them up so quick? I've always had these voices in my no, head. I mean the See, names. But you don't know oh, is... the Quiet Storm? Yeah. I'm he always... actually does this all yeah. the time. Mhm. I do it to her. She drives her and say, no, when I used to work at Wendy's, I would just go on and just start making announcements over the speaker or, you know, doing Good. things like that. So I got, I got them all. God, I miss those days. <laughs> what, working at Wendy's or just working? No, the days when a, a random Walmart employee could get on the mic and say some dumb shit and not get fired for it immediately. Yeah. Hell, my managers would better. ask me to do it. Right. <laughs> Just like. All right. So, cutting up. It's good. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, but one form of entertainment rose above the others as the most deplorable bastion of evil ever created and was accused of everything from turning the youth of America gay to causing the children to rebel against the very fabric of what makes America great. But, of course, most importantly, it indoctrinated the children into the dark world of Satan dragging their poor, unfortunate souls to hell, both overtly and subliminally. It's sad, but true. Sad, but true. No. Okay. Your poor, unfortunate souls. No. I have still yet to see that movie. The Little Mermaid? I've never seen The Little Mermaid. How is that possible? I just never got around to it. Oh, don't make me make you. <laughs> I love that movie. Never seen it. I, I started watching it one day and fell asleep. And You're a theater kid? No, not really. He I've has done... no soul. Otherwise, he would have seen that movie. Hell, Satan. Fair. <laughs> well, now you have nothing to sell. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> so, Satan has been associated with the music that would become rock all the way back in the beginning of the blues and the topic of an earlier episode we did, Robert Johnson. Briefly, the legend states that Robert Johnson sold his soul to the devil in return for being the best blues player. Now, this legend, along with the forbidden nature of rock music in the 50s, with it being mainly an African-American genre in the beginning, gave the children of America something to rebel to. Of course, this did not sit well with the generation who fought in World War II and were strong in their moral foundation. So it's ironic that the same people who railed against their parents for saying Elvis was too sexual or the Beatles were evil for promoting drugs would become Bro. the... I'm sorry. I just I knew those things, but I forgot because in my head, like I grew up post Elvis. Right. Like Elvis was a dork 
by the time I grew up. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, by the time I was listening to music, that was our grandparents and great-grandparents. Right. Like, they liked Elvis. Yeah. I, I, mean, I forgot that he was berated for being too sexy. Yeah, because he swiveled his hips. So, um... Fucking wild. <laughs> so Compare yeah, it to this, now. Yeah. Like... <laughs> So, yeah, the same people who railed against their parents were saying Elvis was too sexual. Nowadays, or, you can go online and see an Elvis impersonator twerk for you. Yeah, Ugh. this is true. If you no. really wanted to. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, this same group would become the most influential in the formation of the People's Music Resource, or Parents Music Resource Center, or the PMRC. A group that would bring the contents of music to the forefront and turn rock music especially heavy metal, into the ultimate form of expression for the disassociated youth of America. They're the kids in America. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> so the PMRC was an American committee formed in 1983 with the stated goal of increasing parental control over the access of children to music believed to have violent, drug-related, or sexual themes via labeling albums with parental advisory stickers. Also known as a good time. Exactly. And it didn't mention the occult right here, but yeah, the occult was also up there. Bro, this, this, these people ruined my life. <laughs> not Are because, you kidding? Now you knew what to go for. Right. Like, not because, like, not because I wish I had heard the explicit lyrics or whatever when I was a kid. No, it's because of a thing my mom said one time when we, me and my sister wanted to listen to... Whatever the fuck new rap song was out, it was like an Usher song. So, obviously, it was a sexy song. Right. And my dad did not want us to listen to that. He was like, no, I don't like that newfangled nonsense or whatever the hell he said back then. <laughs> it wouldn't have been Usher because he kind of likes Usher. But it was somebody that was like too sexual, like Lil' Kim or somebody. And he changed the station. And the it switched to... Um. Oh, the um. It was like a Marvin Gaye song or some shit. Let's get it on. It might have been. It or was that sexual or sexual healing. healing or one of the Isley Brothers songs or some shit like that. A good song. And my mom, she listened to the song for about a minute. And she went, "So you won't let them listen to their sex music, but you'll listen to your sex music with them in the car." <laughs> And he, it was smart like, lady, smart lady. I was like, and yeah, that really changed me because I was like, oh yeah, I guess that it, it is just words. And if I like the music, I like the music, like, right? And I just think it even now having to search through, and you still can't find certain stuff like Sierra. None of her shit is on Spotify uncensored. It's all the radio edits, and I'm so unhappy about it. Because you can't get the explicit version, you can't get which for rap music and R and B means you can't actually hear the real song for a good portion of the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, I remember. I wasn't even thinking and bought Eminem's greatest hits at Walmart. Oh my god! <laughs> because it didn't even censor like play it backwards like they do sometimes. We hear that. No, I'm gonna hurt you. No, it was just dead silence. So I'm gonna in the uh, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's so bad. And that's like he was having reason. a seizure. Yeah, it was exactly. because all the Eminem shit was like, and I think that's really what broke my mom too, is because she used to not like too much profanity, but I loved Eminem. 
and I would listen to it all the time, and I hated the censored versions because of that. Right. Or the backwards nonsense. And and so yeah. But I never I never got to listen to a truly unsub if you don't know, there are some Eminem songs that are there is a an explicit version, there is a less explicit. less explicit version, and then there's the radio edit. Right. So there's three different versions, all with different levels of censorship. Right. And I used to get to listen to the medium level. Right. But, See, like, I couldn't hear, like, most of some of his songs yeah. are and gone. And that's what I remember is, like, what was it? Without Me. Yeah. Had a version where it was just different words. Yeah. And my dumbass was sitting there going, well, they must have done it for all of his songs. Not yes. all of them, but no. a lot of them. Any other radio, the big ones on the radio, yeah. most of those have that. But no, now we have Spotify and no one cares. So the oh, com- they still care, Don. <laughs> they still care. The committee was founded by four women known as the Washington Wives, a reference to their husband's connections to the government in the Washington, D.C. area. The women who founded the PMRC are Tipper Gore, wife of Senator and later Vice President Al Gore, Susan Baker, wife of Treasury Secretary James Baker, Pam Hoar, or horror, 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 H-O-W-A-R, Hoar, right? Hower? Hower, maybe? Fuck it. H-O-W-A-R? Yeah. Hoar? Who cares? I'd say Hower. Hower, Hower, I think. Uh, Wife of Washington realtor Raymond Hower and Sally Nevius, wife of former Washington City Council Chairman John Nevius. Now, the PMRC eventually... The PMRC eventually grew to include 22 participants before shutting down in the mid to late 90s. Now, the group was partially funded by Mike Love of the Beach Boys and Joseph Coors, owner of Coors Beer. Fucking A. Yeah. Both the Beach Boys was another epidemic where I'm <laughs> like, no. No, not the Beach Boys. <laughs> both men actively supported Ronald Reagan's campaign in 1980, and Coors even offered office space to the PMRC. Fuck Reaganomics. <laughs> And the man who invented it. Yes. So Al Gore explained the impetus or impetus sure. of the PMRC. I actually wrote that word trying to sound smart. No one know actually to knows it. how to say that word. She would. Nah. Impetus? Yes. Okay. It's yeah, but if you think about it though, I have heard very smart, like TED Talk level PhD linguist people pronounce it various ways so like people who study language and and help write dictionaries and shit right nobody knows how to say that word it's it's one of them sure this is why you don't go for the smart words just go for the normal people words that you can pronounce it's pronounced cement brandon cement so (laughs) al gore explained the start of the pmrc by saying we had been letting the kids, letting talking about their kids, watch MTV and buy and listen to any music they wanted. One day when Karina... This is how it should be, <laughs> in my opinion. One day when Karina was 11, she bought an album that had some explicit lyrics on it. And then she and her girlfriend asked Tipper about several of the words. Unless the music has a dark spell in it, like unless it's a dark ritual, then you can't have your kids know it. Because they, you know, kids are irresponsible. They don't know what to do with the powers of the darkness. This is true. Um, so you have to wait on that. But anything else is fine. Okay. 
So, uh, yeah, and she they asked Tipper about several of the words. A short while later, our two younger girls, then six and eight, asked Tipper to watch a video on MTV that featured strippers and women in chains. That's how Tipper discovered that good old rock and roll had ratcheted up the quotient of explicit sex and sexual violence, and that it was being marketed directly to kids. Hi. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, hold on. For real, though, this is a real question. Sure, ratcheting ratcheting up sex and sexual whatever. I Okay, fine. The BDSM community was really into rock and roll. <laughs> they still are, which is great. But who? They were not marketing. That's what I was going to ask. Who was marketing to kids? Like when you say that about cigarettes and well, were they going after their lunch money or their allowance? Yeah, when Jewel puts out flavors like blue raspberry and mango. And shit, and they sell them in grocery stores, or in um, like in the candy section of a fucking gas station. Yeah, that's marketing to kids, right? Which is why there was a lawsuit. But like, <laughs> who, who, for real though, who was marketing to children in chains? Yeah, <laughs> not even Alice. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> So the album in question that was brought home was Purple Rain by Prince. Oh, no! The Prince so- was not marketing to those children. He was marketing to their parents. Yeah. The song that caused so much angst in Tipper was Darling Nikki. That's it- fair. <laughs> yes, but still not for kids. Yeah. With its opening lyrics of, I knew a girl named Nikki. I guess you could say she was a sex fiend. I met her in a hotel lobby masturbating with a magazine. And I have to say, I mean, I, I get it if you don't want your kid to hear that song yeah. specifically, but that's no reason to censor <laughs> yeah. every song. See, I I still remember. Pay attention to your kids and solve that. Like, Wait, that? parent? You're asking people to parent Listen, their children? Far be it from me to condescend. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, though, like, I know I don't have any kids, but like, damn, <laughs> like, come on now. <laughs> so I remember it was 83 or 84 when Purple Rain came out. So I would have been eight or nine. Oh, that explains it. Yeah, it was all me. And I remember us all as kids going, did you hear the Prince song? Oh my God, he says masturbate. Didn't know what the fuck it meant. But we were like, he says masturbate. And I remember everybody was talking about the movie and there was a sex scene with him and Apollonia or Apollonia, whatever her fucking name was. And Apollonia. Apollonia. You know what's really funny to me about the word masturbate? Pretty much nothing, except for the fact. <laughs> <laughs> except for the fact that no matter how kids learn it, they never know what it means the first few times. Then when they put two and two together or have it explained to them, the only thing next is every kid, every one of them, and their friends are a master debater. They're so good at arguing, you guys. <laughs> it's that joke forever, and I love that. I think that's beautiful. See, I prefer I prefer when you're talking about someone who knows a bunch of different languages and you call them a cunning linguist. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the same shit that I'm talking about. That will never... That's Since the 50s, that's been happening. Of or course. before. Like... So not long after this incident, too good. <clears throat> didn't fool anyone. Not long after this incident, Tipper called a meeting at St. Columbia's Church of Washington in Washington D.C. 
with her hope uh, to generate a discussion of the issue, raise public awareness, and begin a dialogue with people in the recording industry. The group tabulated a list of 15 songs that they felt were prime examples of what they were fighting against. This list was called the Filthy 15. Are you going to list them for us? Uh, not all of them. I list some of them. I probably owned them all. Probably. I know they're in my dad's collection somewhere. <laughs> I doubt this. Very first one, Judas Priest. Ah, that's fair. Okay. Eat Me Alive was the name of the song. Okay. Either, if it's the R&B side, my dad has it. <laughs> or, if it's the rock and roll side, you guys have it. I did not have, I was not a big Judas Priest fan. Yeah, I didn't either. They had some songs, Breaking the Law, and you got another thing coming. But I don't really know that much about Judas Priest. Well, we're going to find out because Judas Priest plays a part later in the show episode. Sick. So, I know they probably didn't deserve whatever the fuck is going to happen to them in this. So the song Eat Me Alive cons- they cons- was considered profane or sexually explicit. Lyrics include bound to deliver as you give and I collect squealing in passion as the rod of steel injects lunge to the maximum spread eagle to the wall. You're well equipped to take it all. Nice. I mean, we've heard worse. Way worse. <laughs> way worse. On this show. <laughs> Every Prince song is worse than that. Well, um, next was Motley Crue's Bastard, which was pegged for violence, despite the album it was on being called Shout at the Devil and having an inverted pentacle on the cover, with lyrics including, out go the lights, in goes my knife, pull out his life, consider that bastard dead. But That's... were these songs really on the radio? Or were they nitpicking at the various albums out there? Oh, they for sure they were nitpicking. There's then no all you got to do is, as a parent, listen to the CDs and don't let them buy it. Yeah. Very simple. Censorship is built into the music industry even now. Like, with Family Account on Spotify, yeah. you can automatically censor your kids' shit. Or Apple, you can censor your kids' listening regardless like they can't do anything about it so if you really want to do that go ahead and do that otherwise pre the internet back when we were all using cds and tapes dear god <laughs> i remember albums. records and shit yeah thank you um hell i remember eight track i my dad had an eight track when i was a kid mm-hmm. he still got some of the tapes i think i, I haven't seen an eight track player in a long time <laughs> but um anyway it's like when it was cds First of all, if you bought it, you fucking bought it. You bought the CD. Right. You bought the album. You had to have. You absolutely, you had to be there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. And like, if it's on the radio, change the radio. If it's on a CD, fucking take the CD. Yeah. Am I, am I wrong? No. Like, (laughs) no, but it looks like you're asking for a lot from people. Uh, so the next song was the aforementioned Darlin' Nikki by Prince. Uh, that one is the only one I'll <laughs> concede so far where it's like, yeah, okay, even I am like, don't let your kid listen to that for uh, a next while, please. is Sheena Easton's Sugar Walls, which was uh, dinged for sex. Yeah, I heard that song as a child, and I did not pick up that it has anything <laughs> sexual about it at That's all. That's what I was going to say about the, the Judas Priest one. I was it's part of think, innocence. Right. I was trying to think of like what would a i don't know like say a, a normal 10 year old <laughs> think about that 
uh, it's either race cars or robots in right. my head. You know what I'm saying? Like yep. it's all about speed and iron rods. They don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. Uh, some of the lyrics on Sugar Walls is blood races to your private spots. Let me know there's a fire. You can't fight passion when passion is hot. Temperature rises inside my sugar walls. What else could that be about? That's not, I mean, that's pretty explicit, but like, <laughs> even still, the only, like, the only part that a kid would really think about would be the blood rushing to your private parts. And and in my head, I mean, fucking talk with your kids, I guess. I don't know. Like, it feels to me like that one's on the edge, but that's... Kind of what I'm getting at, though, is that's a case, but it's it's really household by household. Right. Like, you shouldn't censor an artist because you have a four-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Correct. True. You may censor it for your family, but you shouldn't have to censor it for everyone. Right. The artist should not be the one burdening themselves with your child's development. Right. They developed already. Now they're doing what they want to fucking do. And you have to deal with that because that's what free speech is like. Yeah. Next is the band Wasp with the song Animal, in parentheses, fuck like a beast. (laughs) Are they the Bloodhound Gang? (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, Although everybody thought one of the things was that Wasp, because it's abbreviated W-A-S-P. White Anglo-Saxon person? No, everybody thought it was We Are Satan's People. Oh, Ah. whatever. But you can come up with anything with mm-hmm. four letters. Yeah. I mean, well, the band actually said what it stands for is we are sexual perverts. And in fact, you know what? Let your freak flag fly. That's what I the say. The album cover, their first album cover featured the lead singer's crotch wearing a cod piece that had a uh, radial saw sticking out of it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, that uh, obviously that song was dinged for sex. With lyrics, I do whatever I want to to you. I'll nail you. At, I'll nail your ass to the sheets. A pelvic thrust and the sweat starts to sting you. I fuck you like a beast. Oh my! Yes, they actually used the word. Yeah, this is back in the early eighties. <laughs> wow. Uh, the last one we're going to go into detail was the band Merciful Fate. With the That's sp- actually kind of hardcore for the eighties. What to say? Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any song that said fuck. I, I mean, if you even if even thinking about rap songs from the 80s, like. Yeah, 80s rap was hip hop. A hip to the hip to the hip hip hop. You don't stop a rock until the back and do No. No, that was <laughs> the no. 60s. No, I think it was the 70s. Or like late 70s, early 80s. It was Sugar the Hill Gang? Sugar Hill Gang. I think the Sugar Hill Gang was the. Yeah, but that song was the 80s. Because I that remember song it was, was in, popular in the eighties. Yeah. It was written in nineteen sixty something. Okay, well, yeah. still that was they were like a street. <clears throat> what do they call them? Um, Hustlers? Party part? No, like a party DJ, but they had a name for it. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Okay, so yeah, so the Merciful Fate song was into the coven, and it was dinged for occult related material. Says now, crush it, crush the cross. Now suck the blood from this unholy knife. Say after me. My soul belongs to Satan. Uh, Merciful Fate was led by King Diamond, who is a Levian Satanist. He is part of the Satanic Church, newly Anton Levay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's understanding his motivation. I mean, sure, whatever. <laughs> so, but uh, again, 
That wouldn't have been mainstream radio. Oh yeah, exactly. Not only that, but like, I mean, let's 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 approach it from the opposite end. They don't. One of the reasons they're like, we don't want our kids getting indoctrinated with sex and Satan and whatnot. What if I don't want my kids getting indoctrinated into Christianity? Exactly. What are we going to censor then? Like, should I ban the Bible from schools? I say, living in the South, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it gets. That's, well, that's what we're going through right now is one form or another, someone is trying to enforce religion. Exactly. Like, so if you want to ban a book or some music or whatever for sex or illicit substances or murder or violence or war, all that shit is in the Bible. Right. You know? Yep. But we're okay with having that on the shelf. Oh, because it teaches us lessons. Okay, what are these other books trying to teach us? What you know what else teaches lessons? A fucking history book. <laughs> right. Like, we can't even have of, that anymore. So, that's the type of shit. Like, yeah, there's, <laughs> yes. So, I think this is right after this happened this year or last year where Florida was like, we're not doing the new AP course about that's black history. Year. That's that was this, this year. year. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. doing that right now. So here yeah. we go. But they're allowing it now. They just got to add in black conservatives and take out certain. They yeah, got to make just it for that one yeah. book. They're already going after other ones and other classes. So, yeah. So this was just some of the list that included uh, Cindy's favorite, Cindy Lauper. Woohoo. That was for Shebop. Yeah. And you know what? I did not know that that was a sexual song. I didn't either. What is it? Shebop. Shebop. He bop a wee bop. It's all about I masturbation. Bop, you bop and they bop. But I thought yeah, they were about talking about people dancing. Yeah. yeah, like at a bop. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, but the yeah. song was actually about masturbation. Okay, that wasn't misreading the lyrics. She admitted. Sure. Yeah. What was it? This says something. They'll say I go blind if I don't stop or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Uh, Twisted Sister. Ace. Yeah. Okay. See, that's another class of song that's like. You never knew. Exactly. You never knew. If mm-hmm. she wouldn't have said nothing, she, you would have never known. Yep. Exactly. Uh, ACDC, Black Sabbath, another one of Cindy's favorites, Death Leopard. Hell yeah. That was for high and dry for alcohol and drug abuse. Oh, jeez. And Madonna for Dress You Up With My Love for sex. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, Man, uh, I have to re-listen to that song because even to this day, I didn't realize that. So the problematic songs were split into their varying sins, occult, sex, violence, and drug and alcohol use. Now, these were the ratings that the PMRC wanted to place on musics going forward. Interestingly enough, three of the 15 songs, Darling Nikki, Sugar Walls, and Strap On Robbie Baby, (laughs) were all written up. Say it again. Strap On Robbie Baby. Thank you. That was from Vanity. Good. Uh, all of those songs were written by Prince. So three of the 15 songs. Prince is responsible for everything PMRC related. Prince is responsible for a lot more than that. <laughs> <laughs> so in August of 1985, 19 record companies agreed to put parental guidance explicit lyric labels on albums to warn consumers of explicit lyrical content. Before the labels, labels could be put in place, the Senate agreed to hold a hearing on so-called porn rock. <laughs> <laughs> the hearing was held on September 19th, 1985, 
What what do you think that would actually sound like? Porn rock? Yeah. Yeah. Um like imagine it's a real genre that you can play on the radio. I would say Lords of Acid. Uh music to have sex too. Yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking R and B music, but with screamo lyrics. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be just R and B. There's a lot of really good sexual um, that's fair. pop songs. Sadness by Enigma. Yes. Song. Uh, it's it's the, like the monks that do the chanting. It's, but it's, it's got it's, that sexual beat in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there's like like, like, a, like a tantric sort it's of deal. noise. Yes. It's like a 15 minute song. It's like the perfect length for. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say perfect length. Well, a little bit, tiny little bit of foreplay. Mm-hmm. Okay, 10 minutes of foreplay. Mm-hmm. 14 minutes and 30 seconds Four, of foreplay. Try hitting repeat. <laughs> I mean, listen. Look, I That's why God it. made playlists. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, where are we? Uh, porn rock. Okay, so the hearing was held on September 19th, 1985, when representatives from the PMRC, three musicians... <laughs> Sorry, I think porn rock is what TikTok invented with the Pornhub music, where they do the Pornhub intro, but then they transition into a whole different song. <laughs> I don't know what the Pornhub theme is. I can't believe you've never seen that meme. It's like a, it's like a little bass riff with like a... I'm going to just look it up because it's too funny. <laughs> While you're looking it up, so three musicians, D. Snyder of Twisted Sister, Frank Zappa, and John Denver, and Senators Paula Hawkins, Al Gore, and others testified before the Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee on the subject of the content of certain sound recordings and suggestions that recording packages be labeled to provide a warning to prospective purchasers of sexually explicit or other potentially offensive content. That was the name of the fucking bill say the whole name of the bill i hate your ass i you (laughs) knew i was looking up a different thing the subject of of the content of certain sound recordings and suggestions that recording packages be labeled to provide a warning to prospective purchasers of sexually explicit or other potentially offensive content make him say it again no (laughs) i just hate jargon (laughs) yep I understand why some of it is necessary, but goddamn. Come on now. Come on. <laughs> All right, go ahead and play it. I haven't found it yet. Oh, okay. You go ahead. So during his statement, musician and producer Frank Zappa asserted that the PMRC's proposal is an ill-conceived piece of nonsense, which fails to deliver any benefit to children, infringes the civil liberties of people who are not children, and promises to keep the courts busy for years dealing with the interpretational and enforcemental problems inherent in the proposal's design. He went on to say his suspicion that the hearings were a front for H.R. 2911, which was a proposed blank tape tax. They were talking about taxing blank recording material, Mm. so an additional tax on that. To which he said the major record labels need to have H.R. 2911 whiz through a few committees before anybody smells a rat. One of them is chaired by Senator Strom Thurmond. Is it a coincidence that Mrs. Thurmond is affiliated with the PMRC? Zappa had earlier stated about the Senate's agreement to hold the hearings on a matter that a couple of blowjobs here and there and bingo, you get a hearing. 
<laughs> oh my. That is fair though. Yeah. Like like why should the court system give a fuck about what I'm doing if I'm not hurting nobody? Exactly. Who gives a shit what I'm listening to? Yeah, and again, why should I have to like that's one of the reasons like I'm not going to censor myself on my own podcast because if you don't want your kids listening to this podcast, Right. Fucking stop them. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't have any control over what your kid does. You do. Right. And guess what? If they really I want don't... to listen to it anyway, they're going to listen to it when they're not around you. Exactly. And so I... what you do is you explain to them the proper way to view or listen to yeah. material. Exactly. If you, and you Help know... them process it in a healthy manner. Exactly. It is age appropriate for them. Right. You can explain pretty much anything to anyone at their level if you know it well enough. Or if you know the person well enough. You know what I mean? Yep. And as their parent, I'm just suggesting that you should know the kid that well. And I mean that for biological or not. I don't care. Right. You know, parents, parents, parent. So. <laughs> yep. I don't know why I look at you when I'm talking to the straw man but i always make vicious eye contact with you because i am people. i am the one who's giving the information that's so. true you're i he's sorry. the man he yeah. is he is capital m i'm the old white dude on the podcast the old christian white dude so i mean i'm literally the <laughs> i'm the effigy for cis all white male. cis christian white old man so i am literally the effigy for everything ruben hates that's not quite true. <laughs> I don't hold hate. <laughs> distrust. distrust. Tons yeah. of distrust. Lots of frustration. <laughs> Most of it is systems, though. I didn't find it. Okay. So John Denver referred to the proposed labels as, as censorship and stated that he was strongly opposed to censorship of any kind in our society or anywhere else in the world. And that in his experience, censors often misinterpret music. Here's how we can reconnect with our audience, though. So listen, when you hear this episode, and you know what the hell I'm talking about with that Pornhub meme, <laughs> you know the one. It started out with just seeing if somebody would look over if you play the Pornhub sound. And then it turned into, you know, they look over because you're playing the Pornhub sound, but they know it's a meme now. But then it switches to, like, Kenny G or something. <laughs> You know, it's like weird. Kenny G, Songbird, another. <clears throat> oh, I'm sure it had sexual lyrics somewhere in there. <laughs> yeah. So you um, just couldn't hear it over the instruments. So yeah, and that in his experience, <laughs> did censors... you just describe all of punk music to me? <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much anything Brandon listens to now. Uh, not Kenny G. No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that in his experience, censors often misinterpreted uh, music, as was the case with his song "Rocky Mountain High." People actually thought that was about drugs when he was just talking about seeing the Rocky Mountains and yeah. how it made him euphoric. Yeah, uh, It's almost like the beauty of nature can make you almost as as um, awed and overwhelmed as uh, any drug. Yeah. So I, wonder, I wonder how that could be. <laughs> that's why you need to go to nature to do your drugs. Yeah, I that's... Then you get it both ways. Then you it's actually both fair. Ways. Yeah, you get double penetrated. Yeah. I hear if you call it ayahuasca, you don't get arrested. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yeah. 
So um, he further compared the PMRC proposals to Nazi book burnings and expressed his belief that censorship is ultimately counterproductive, stating that which is denied becomes that which is most desired and that which is hidden becomes that which is most interesting. Consequently, a great deal of time and energy is spent trying to get at what is being kept from you. When Denver came up to give his speech, many had expected him to side with the PMRC because he was a goody boy. Yeah. Well, yeah, he definitely looked the part. Yep. But you know what? He was right because look at it right now. They've banned all of these books and different libraries have set up yeah. shelves that literally say on it, these are the banned books mm-hmm. and people are checking them out left and right. And these are books that people would have overlooked yeah. and not even thought about checking out previously. I know that my one of my um, high school teachers, her name at the time was Lena Watson. I think her name has changed since then, her last name. I don't remember what it is now. But she had a sign on her door that was about how censorship is fucked up. I, well, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it looked kind of like an eye test. It was one of like a school sign. It was like censorship is whack or whatever the fuck. But I just remember like we read for our contempt lit class. We read like Snowflower and the Secret Fan and um, Kite Runner and Room and some other things um, that like many different genres with many different cultures specifically because of that. Where she was like, no, I don't want, like, if, and it was like my junior or senior year, so her her view was basically like, if you're going to be out in the world doing stuff, you got to know who's out there. You got to know what's out there and how many different viewpoints there actually are, even just a small idea so that you won't make a fool of yourself if you go to travel or go to another university or have a job or join the army or the navy and start traveling shit like that like you have to broaden your horizons not shut them down right but also understand if you're gonna start banning things you need to really start looking carefully at what you might end up having to ban yeah because quite frankly um they might need to ban chaucer and shakespeare because both of those in my college classes we were reading all of these different works by these very famous writers and the reading very famous, all of very their, horny writers. Yes. And the things they wrote about blew my mind that they were right there. I feel like and you didn't even realize what it was. Well, it's still sexual, sexually charged mm-hmm. writing, so why don't we get rid of like Shakespeare the- and Chaucer? Like the whole first scene of of Romeo and Juliet is a very long your mom joke. <laughs> it, it, literally, it's like, uh, oh, are you talking about my mom? No, not yep. your mom. I'm talking about your mom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, it's crazy. Um, Plus, you're also talking about two underage kids, right? Who fall in love and like within three days kill each other or kill, kill themselves. themselves. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, even Shakespeare, children, and this is Shakespeare a, a called it a, a tragedy. You know what I'm saying? It's a tragedy for a reason. People are like, "Oh, Shakespeare's tragedies and comedies are different because of the comedies, uh, nobody dies or very few people die, and in the tragedies, every cool person dies." And I'm like, "No, uh, Shakespeare's tragedies are tragedies the whole way through. 
Yep. The whole way. And his comedies are funny the whole way through. If you know how to read it or if you watch it live, you don't even have to understand what's going on. You know what a dick joke sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> and if you go see A Midsummer Night's Dream and you don't he and you don't understand that Puck is one very long, very obnoxious dick joke, I'm going to need you to like take another course or something. <laughs> like I remember I did go I went to uh uh Cat was in it. I went and Will, I think. And Ethan. And Ethan, yeah. yeah. I went to a showing of that and I was like the only person in the audience who was laughing. <laughs> like it was wild to me. Like cuz nobody else I don't think anybody else understood that Shakespeare was not high class. Shakespeare was not high class. No. I do what Shakespeare did. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I say I say crazy shit to make people laugh or think or whatever on my podcast in my The Globe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, including all the fucks and the, hey, isn't it fucked up that white people? And like all that <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? Like Shakespeare was the first woke dude. And he invented half your language. So Don't mention woke. Santa's will shut us down. <laughs> Go back to sleep. He could try. <laughs> so I D- have insomnia. <laughs> so D. Snyder, frontman and lead singer of the heavy metal band Twisted Sister, testified that he did not support RIAA, which is the Recording Industry Association of America, uh, President uh, uh, Gortikoff, uh, his unnecessary and unfortunate decision to agree to a so-called generic label on some selected records. Like John Denver, Snyder felt that his music had been misinterpreted. He defended the Twisted Sister songs under the blade, which had been interpreted by the PMRC as referencing sadomasochism, bondage and rape, and we're not going to take it, which the PMRC accused to promote violence, or of promoting violence. <clears throat> Snyder told the panel that Under the Blade was inspired by a band member's surgery and was about the fear he imagined one would experience undergoing surgery, announcing that the only sadomasochism Bondage and rape in this song is in the mind of Mrs. Gore. Oh. He further stated, Mrs. Gore was looking for sadomasochism and bondage, and she found it. Someone looking for surgical references would have found it as well. Snyder concluded that the full responsibility for defending my children falls on the shoulders of my wife and I, because there is no one else capable of making this judgment for us. That's why I love D. Snyder. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's yeah. a smart man. And We're Not Gonna Take It is literally, a, a, yeah, it's a rebellion song, but it's... Yeah, it's against this this exact shit. Right. Like yes. <laughs> It's an anthem for all times, all ages. Yeah. And the, the video... Hey, does your government suck? Ours too. Yeah. That's what that song is. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And the, the video, which was one of the things they were saying was violent, it was all cartoon violence. I mean, literally, it was... No different than Wiley e. Coyote. I was just about to say Saturday morning yeah. cartoons. God. You how how bad how radical do you have to be to make people who live fifty years after you be this mad? Because <laughs> like, wow, you how stupid! Like, I don't understand how controlling do you need to f- to be. And how lazy as well. Because, again, I know I keep harping on this as a person with no children, but do your damn job. Right. Like, it's not 
Frank Zappa's job, or what's what what's the guy's name again? D. Snyder. D. Snyder's job to parent your kid. Right. Nope. It's fully not. But um, but they want to make the job easier because they don't want to put in the work. Exactly. And the thing to keep in mind here is that this was across political aisles. Yeah. Tipper Gore was a Democrat because her husband's Al Gore. He was Bill mm-hmm. Clinton's vice president. And Strom Thurmond was a Republican. So, I mean, this was on both sides of the aisle. So it wasn't a political. It wasn't a political thing. But you're talking about. It is definitely a religious thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Enforcing morality according to their religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I think not every been... household wants that and I, religiosity. I mean, and I mean, most cultures, most cultures do agree that kids probably shouldn't know too much about sex before it's time for them to start growing up and learn about it. But, like, number one, not only is that different for every culture, but number two, even universals, if you take something as a universal, it is still not my job as an individual to align with your belief system in my job, in my career, in my hobby, like, as an artist. It's really not. I'm going to go grab me a soda. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. We do. So November 1st, 1985, before the hearing had even ended, the uh, Recording Industry Association of America agreed to put parental advisory labels on selected releases at their own discretion. If I wasn't black, I might say that this is history's greatest failure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Many. Okay, I'm so sorry. Can you slide? Guerrilla podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. Hey. So, um. It does look kind of like you set up a telephone thing in Vietnam just now. (laughs) Uh, The labels were generic, unlike the original idea of a descriptive label categorizing the explicit lyrics. Many stores refused to sell albums having the label, most notably Walmart, and others limited sales of those albums to adults. Now, it is uncertain whether the tipper sticker is effective in preventing children from being exposed to explicit content. It's actually actually exactly the opposite. Yeah. It's exactly the opposite of effective. I mean, it is super effective at getting kids to listen to that music. Yeah. Absolutely. I knew uh, several of my friends that whenever they went to get the music, they only wanted the ones that actually had the explicit Yeah, because even if you don't sticker. know what the words mean on the label, you know that that little black and white label in the corner of that album or CD or whatever means it's the good shit. Right. Yep. <laughs> like, that's Sass. what it means. It doesn't, it's, it, yeah, it, it, it became, I mean, at first it was a devastating blow, obviously for what you're saying, stores refusing to sell your music is like, right. that's the death of your career, but eventually it did, bec- I mean, pretty quickly, it became like a, a label that meant a badge of honor. You want, yeah, you want to listen to this. Right. Um, at the age where you're like, fuck my parents. Fuck the government. <laughs> there was a label that said, if you want to say fuck your parents and fuck the government, this is the songs for you. Uh, I don't know, because I don't think fuck my parents and that two live crew. I don't really think they uh, said that a lot. Or did they? Mm, uh, face down, ass up. That's the way I like to fuck. 
They had more yep. than one song. Me so horny. Well, he was so horny, Don. <laughs> <laughs> so some, citing the forbidden fruit effect, suggest that the sticker, in fact, increased record sales. Yeah. Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire and Easy Lover hey. um, said that the, for the most part, the sticker might even sell more records in some areas. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is tell somebody that's a no-no, and then that's where they want to go see. I joshed myself. Yeah. Ice-T's track, Freedom of Speech, contains the lyrics, Hey, PMRC, you stupid fucking assholes. <laughs> the sticker on the record is what makes them sell gold. Can't you see, you alcoholic idiots, the more you try to suppress us, the larger we get. While lyrics from the band Furnace Face and their song, We Love You, Tipper Gore. <laughs> it's a pretty good band name and also song name. From their 1981 album, Just Buy It, suggests that the label only... Only wets my appetite, only makes us want to hear it that much more. Can I tell you what my favorite album is? What? Like, literally my favorite album art. It's not even album art. It's um, System of a Down's Steal This Album. Yeah. And it's because of the parental guidance sticker on it. Because it's an album that says, from the band, hey, counterculture kids who, are, who, who, who listen to us, literally steal this literally steal this and it has the parental advisory on it which is like a double whammy it's like steal this album your parents won't like it yeah it's the perfect album but would they cover your bill if you got arrested for shoplifting no obviously not that's not how (laughs) counterculture works tom (laughs) it's like in one piece you got to be ready to you got to be willing to risk your own life Gotcha. Put your own life on the line. Put your own dreams at stake. Be brave. Stand amongst your friends and become king of the pirates. <laughs> now, the PMRC is not the only example of the insanity that was thrown at music in the 1980s. Everything became proof of Satan. From the look of the band, to the lyrics, to the album covers, to the band's names themselves. News reporters would go on television and report with a straight face that ACDC stood for Antichrist Devil Child <laughs> and that KISS stood for Knights in Satan's Service. Jesus. I remember these things. I do too. Oh, man. That's and- what happens when you grow up in rural areas and in poor areas. Because in my... My... Okay. We were talking about this in the 2000s, like the 90s and 2000s. Me and my cousins were talking about, did you know it's Knights and Satan's service? Right. Isn't that dope as hell? Or whatever, <laughs> you know? And like, this happens, this happened at least up until then. Um, and I think it's because, you know, I did grow up in such a rural area where it was rural then. And. It's just wild to me that in my home, I was in the 70s. When I was with my other families, I was with, it was in like the 80s. And I didn't catch up until last year. So, like, I don't know. That's yeah. weird. One of the best quotes I read or heard while I was researching this, Gene Simmons of Kiss, someone asked him, how do you feel about people burning your records? And he's like, I don't care. Burn all the records of mine you want, because that means you have to buy them first. Yep. Yep. So, and then they'll buy it to replace it. Yep. When they wise up and realize it's not 
the big horrible thing you were trying to make it out to be. Yeah, people don't realize that burning shit like that really only works if you stole that stuff first or yep. uh, took it with an army. Or like, you know, like a bra burning is fine. <laughs> Cuz that's like a statement rather than affecting policy, really? You know what I mean? Like that's a call to action, not a punishment. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah. a difference. Yeah. There's a hopeful burning of things, like the bra burnings, and then there is the stupid burning of things, like buying Nikes to burn them. Right. Or there is the uh, sinister and worst version of burning of things, which is what the Nazis did. Yeah, and Greg And Locke. if you're doing anything the Nazis did, probably rethink that. Yeah. Yeah. Greg Locke. So, and while there were definitely satanic groups who openly reveled in the evil reputations such as Merciful Fate, Venom, and our favorite band Mayhem, Mayhem, um, they were few and far between, and certainly not in the numbers to equate a massive satanic army. For the most part, bands like Kiss and ACDC just sing about sex and partying. Even ACDC's song Highway to Hell was actually about a road in Australia that ran through the desert that the group would have to travel for gigs. But nothing was more subversive in the eyes of the panicked population than backmasking. The belief that somehow, probably through satanic meddling, bands began putting hidden messages in their lyrics that could be heard subconsciously and could only be heard consciously by playing the music backwards. The concept became... I mean, if you think the one about Queen is true, I fell for it. It's fun to smoke marijuana? It's fun to smoke marijuana. Yeah, if you play another one bites the dust backwards, that's what it says. Oh, yeah, yeah, over and over and again, over again. This is stuff that we did. Oh, yeah. with actual records mm -hmm. in rural towns where I lived <laughs> as kids because we were hearing the same shit because our parents were grew up in the eighties and believed it. But here's were, the thing: Would you have done it if it was not made into this big thing? No, we you would never have, have fucking thought. thought to try it. Exactly, they actually made it. Be they, a thing. Exactly. It wasn't a thing. Yeah. They were so, again, imagine being so paranoid of a thing that you end up perpetrating that very crime. Right. She, Cindy, um, was a huge Def Leppard fan. Yeah. And in the, was it the 80s or the 90s that it came out, the whole 80s. Love Bites? Was it the 80s? Okay. That at the begin end of the song Love Bites, you hear this voice, it's, it's in a weird kind of robotic sound, mm -hmm. and it says, this is if you got love in your sights, watch out, Love Bites, and then it, as it's fading out, you hear it saying something. Mm -hmm. What he supposedly said, according to the moral majority, was Jesus of Nazareth, burn in hell. Go to hell. Go to hell. But he actually says, I forget exactly, but the, the go to hell, it doesn't say Jesus of Nazareth, but it says bloody hell. In their accent, bloody hell. Bloody hell. Yeah. Yeah. She actually stopped listening to Def Leppard until we got married. Mm -hmm. And I actually went and found that, no, that's not what they said. And it was like, what, a week later, you had all the Def Leppard records Yes, again. I did. <laughs> yeah, because, because when that's what you're taught by yep. every adult as you're growing up, every, you see it on TV. You see, that's why kids are going to hate white people. I'm dead ass. Like, I make jokes about how white people, I generally mean systems that white people put in place. And I think that most of our audience understands that. But there are kids, really, who will grow up, who already have. I mean, black people. But if you, like, think about 
how crazy there are kids who are going to grow up hating their own skin color because they are white and they have been indoctrinated to think that that means they are evil. That's fucked up. I'm not saying that the work that people are trying to do in regards to racism and bigotry is not good work. But I am saying that if you're not careful about how hard you attack a thing, you become that thing. Right. Yes. Like, fighting fire with fire works. Especially if you generalize it too much. Exactly. You know, fighting fire with fire is a real thing for forest fires. But afterwards, they call it a control burn on purpose because they're not really fighting that fire. They are guiding it. It's They're just burning out a little area to where the fire can't leap a gap. Right. That's all. And then they let that bitch burn out. And I feel like maybe that's where we should be with this. But, you know, far be it from me to say stop fighting the white power because that's <laughs> not how I feel. But... Yeah, well, you know, just be careful. You have to be careful about things. This is a prime example of why you need to be careful before you end up promoting exactly the thing you wanted to stop. Was it Gandhi that said an eye for an eye makes everybody blind? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then that one guy who was like, no, it doesn't. There'd be one guy left with one eye. Not necessarily, because if they they aim perfectly, even if they're blind, they can still get you. All right. So I might have a job. (laughs) I might have a job. Sweet. That's actually very good news. Yeah, it is. Does it have anything to do with poking out eyes? <laughs> you don't need to know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Does front desk at a hotel count? And if so, is it my eyes getting poked out? Mm, it if it's a customer service job, is that my eyes? Because you'll want to poke them out. Yeah, I mean, maybe not. As long as the desk is wide enough, you're safe. I don't actually mind. I'm not... I have found that um, my neurodivergence, and again, maybe autism, we might know sooner rather than later if I get this job and get some insurance. That would be great. Yeah. But um, I'm working under the assumption that even if I don't have autism exactly, my neurodivergencies stack up to equivalent basically for social shit right but what that means is is that i know how to mask and i also don't care what people are thinking across the way from me like like sure i have really high anxiety about my self and others and like presenting but ultimately i do not care what is in your brain when i'm looking at you I'm thinking sometimes, like if you're my friends, I'm thinking, I wonder what they're thinking. And then I'll ask, hey, what you thinking about? Or, hey, isn't this weird? But otherwise, I don't care. If you're a customer across the desk, that is your job to me. Like, I'm here to do my job and you're here to do your job. And your job just happens to be on the other side of the desk than mine. So as long as I'm being efficient and you're not being a total asshole which people usually aren't. They're usually just mildly frustrated. And if they can see that you're not being unhelpful, right? You know, even if you can't help them, you are not being unhelpful. That is, you know what I'm saying? So it's just a matter to me of does, if the day is there, then I'm going to do it. If, If the day is for work, I'm working. If it's not for work, I'm not working. And either way, I don't give a fuck what you're doing. So 
to me, it doesn't really matter. It really matters about how I'm treated by the people who have control over my schedule. Really. When does that job start? It depends. I will see. My sister is helping me maybe get back at the hotel. Very cool. Oh, no, that was just a tantric. We can keep okay. going. Even I knew that. Yeah, yeah. No, I didn't know if he was getting up or so. I didn't know why he was no, moving the table. No, I just it's no. Oh, okay, comfort. So the concept of back mask became popular in the late '60s and early '70s with Ruben's favorite story, the Paul is dead rumor. Yes. God, <laughs> I, I remember that. That was a fun episode. Uh, when with fans stating that the Beatles had subliminally had hidden subliminal clues in their songs to prove to the world that Paul McCartney had died in a car crash and had been replaced. (laughs) That was the first time I really got mad, and it (laughs) bled over to me being mad at you for a minute there. I was like, wait a minute. You... Wait, hold on. Okay, no, it's fine. (laughs) Side note to all the listeners, go back and listen to the Paul is Dead Beatles episode. It was awesome. You want to know what's great? Mm. This is her first episode. She just joshed me. <laughs> because I am Josh tonight. Uh-huh. If you would like to know more about Josh that story, tonight. That's know. that's a great nickname. Josh tonight. Yeah. It's like kryptonite, but for Josh. <laughs> so yeah, if you would like to know more on that story, we did a full dive on it last year. When the 80s came around, the backmasking theory exploded with everyone stating that musicians were putting subliminal messages in their music for Satan. God, you guys remember when we talked about moral majority last time? Yeah. Th- this is what that is, this moral panic. Mm-hmm. Like, it really isn't about... Because, like, if, like, remember the 80s? Everyone, everyone was on this. Not just Christians. Jewish people, Islamic people... Uh, boot all kinds of religions and cultures living in America were all really hard up against this shit. Right. Like, like to the point where in Japan to this day, like being a punk or in in, in Japan is like is is like having face tattoos from prison in America. Right. Like, you can't do anything. You are no longer... People treat you like shit when you're a punk in Japan. And you're a punk in Japan if you dye your hair blonde. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's extreme because people are panicked about this moral thing. Like, there are places in the Middle East, you know, the ones, the bad places, the ones with the war and such, <laughs> um, that where religious extremists will hunt emos. Yeah. Not emus, emos. <laughs> Like teenagers who like red hair and eyeliner. Right. And sad songs like that, <laughs> like an emo. <laughs> what is that noise? Is that the Black Parade? Exactly. <laughs> Literally that. Like, like. It's because you're supposed to conform to the social norm. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, it makes you dangerous. Especially if the social norm is a religious based norm. Yep. Mm hmm. In God we do trust, apparently. <laughs> or there's also the other religions that are just like it. Yeah. And just by that, a different name. Even the whole Batmasking is still going, because I remember during Obama's acceptance or uh, speech when he won the presidency, and he kept saying, yes, we can. Yes, we can. People started saying, play that backwards. He's saying, hail Satan. God. 
Yes, I mean it's even to this day it still goes on. Jesus, it's, it's how can really... that say hail Satan? There is no L in yes we can. It's magic Satan powers. Yes, it's subliminal. Did they get that from the sex magic? Yes, yes, and the glued gonorrhea. You have to have glued gonorrhea. You have to be into scatological play. Yes. And also magic. Yes. And LARPing in church. <laughs> and LARPing. LARPing in the church. Oh, jeez. Oh, that's You have to laughing. have a magician's duel. <laughs> <laughs> I cast Fireball. Uh, all right. I just really. <laughs> I really do just imagine. Two young men, relatively young men, walk, like one of them is standing at the top of some steps, and the other one is slowly walking up towards him, and they're just making eye contact and mumbling under their breath <laughs> at each other, and nothing, and like one, and they're just pretending to struggle. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what it feels like. Um, so pastors would go on televangelist programs with reel-to-reel tapes and play in, uh, to a shocked audience the supposed sounds of satanic messages. <laughs> and then the guy gets to the top of the stairs and kicks the other one in the balls, I think is what happened. No, he did like a Spartan kick. Like a Spartan, that's down right. In the chest. Knocks you down the stairs with a fist or whatever. Yeah. So suddenly our children weren't safe from any music, let alone heavy metal. Who knew what evil messages the music industry was foisting upon our children? The practice of backmasking is as old as sound recording itself. Shortly after pat- Is it? Yes. Shortly after patenting the phonograph in 1877, Thomas Edison experimented with playing recorded music backwards, noting that the result sounded novel and sweet, but altogether different. Basically, he the solved it immediately. original Satanist. Right. But he solved it immediately. You said Edison? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He invented the phonograph, or somebody under him invented the phonograph, yes. and he took credit. Right. Um... Literally, that's one of the things that you do when you are an inventor slash scientist is you make a thing and then you're like, how do I fuck with this thing? <laughs> like, And that's what they did. And it's real easy to flip something upside down or r- rotate it in the opposite direction and, and hear that and be like, huh, you put your neat. Thing, you put your thing down, flip it and reverse it? Uh-huh. Okay. No. You don't, don't, don't hate on Missy now. No, mm-hmm. I'm not. Ha- um. She doesn't want me to try to do Missy Elliott, is what that was. That's actually kind of fair. That was was my wife reminding me that I am white. (laughs) Yes, very, very white. Uh, He slipped it in there, though. (laughs) Missy, if you're listening to this, please forgive my husband. Missy, we know you're not. So (laughs) the first- Uh, You don't know that. Missy Elliott might love true crime. We're still going to try to get Ryan Reynolds. We're going to try to get that Mint Mobile money and get him to do a commercial for us. Hell yeah. I I want him and Blake Lively on here. Yes. Yes. So this is week three of us asking Ryan Reynolds to be on our show. But the problem with that, there is one very big problem. What? We wouldn't want to talk. We would just sit back and let him and Blake just (laughs) play off. No, that's the day that we get Will Wiley to come over. We have Will Wiley and Ryan Reynolds together. You put Will, me, and uh, Will... You mean Sharknado 3 fucking room together, and you'll never finish an episode. (laughs) So the the first association between backmasking and Satanism comes in 1913, when our old pal British occultist Aleister Crowley, in his treatise Magic Book (laughs) 4, famed kicker of men, (laughs) 
recommended that those interested in black magic listen to phonographic records in reverse in order to learn how to think and speak backwards. Coincidentally, Led Zeppelin guitarist Jimmy Page would later purchase Crowley's former mansion, giving plenty of ammunition to the evangelical satanic panic crowd. It's actually not that hard to learn how to speak in reverse because you don't need as many syllables. Um, you can, the sounds are longer. They're hard to make because your brain doesn't want to go backwards, but there are people who can speak in reverse. I can read backwards. Yeah. But, uh, but there are people who can do the thing like the that shit. Yeah. But like it me you know, when you play it backwards, it sounds like a distorted regular sentence. Right. You know, because they've practiced and that's how practice works. Yeah. I actually saw an interview with Weird Al where during the video for Amish Paradise, there's a whole sequence when it's recorded backwards. Mm -hmm. And he actually learned the song phonetically backwards. Yeah. So when it played forward, it looked like he was, yeah. Yeah. If you so. say a thing and then play it backwards at yourself, if you can mimic those sounds pretty good, not even perfect, but pretty good, yeah. it comes out sounding like the original thing. There was a whole trend about it. There was an app for a little while. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> the hard part is about the breath at the end of a word yeah. or a sentence, because you can't really do that backwards. Right. You can't exhale backwards because that's not inhaling it, yeah it's like i don't know it's hard to do an unconscious thing so over the following decades avant-garde comp avant-garde composers like john cage and Ed edgar verese experimented with reverse recordings to create bold new music a technique which would later be adopted by various rock and roll groups include in ugh, various rock and roll groups starting in the 60s including the beatles According to John Lennon, after coming home from a party in 1966, he accidentally played a tape of the song Rain backwards. Lennon, who was a fan of avant-garde music, was so enamored by the sound that he included a reversed version uh, of the song's opening line in the fade-out. This is widely considered the first use of backmasking in a pop song. I want to make it clear, too. Backmasking refers to both the satanic panic version of it where the meaning of you know they backed it up and masked something under it right but backmasking also does literally just mean playing a thing backwards right playing music backwards that's backmasking right so um the technique was also heavily featured on the song tomorrow never knows from the band's 1966 album Revolver, as well as throughout 1967, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Now, according to evangelical groups, the Church of Satan spread its influence by hiding subliminal messages in popular media, particularly rock music. The Church of Satan spread its influence by people getting panicked about the Church of Satan. Yes. Which, I promise, we will discuss the Church of Satan next week. Promise. When Josh is back. When Josh today is is back and not josh tonight yeah josh tonight is uh josh tonight is sick and yes <laughs> josh tomorrow is fine actually so uh long considered by okay so yeah particularly rock music which was long considered by christian fundamentalists to be the devil's music as claimed by evangelical figures like self-described neuroscientist william yarrell um self-described yes nope <laughs> <laughs> So such messages could bypass... Con this is him saying. This, Sorry, saying, hold on, wait. 
He's about to say the dumbest shit. Go ahead. <laughs> such, such messages could bypass conscious perceptions entirely, directly penetrating the unconscious mind where they could be unknowingly adopted or accepted by the listener. Among the first... That was his statement. Sorry, right. for okay. whatever reason, I didn't put uh, quotation marks. No. <laughs> no. No. How do you, how do you know? Um, because actual scientists <laughs> have said Not that self-proclaimed? That's, mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, imagine a motherfucker comes up. You're like, oh, no, I've just had a skiing accident and my leg is pointing the wrong way. I need a doctor. And a guy comes up like, I'm a doctor. You're like, no, the fuck you're not. I'm a self-proclaimed doctor. Who gave you your degree? (laughs) I made it up. (laughs) No, (laughs) don't fucking touch me. (laughs) So among the first to popularize this notion was Christian radio host Michael Mills who in 1981 targeted Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin for its allegedly satanic content. Subliminal messaging also works exactly like... um... Oh, I had it, and then it was gone. Hold on. You said... Join our Patreon. Listen to the past episodes. (laughs) Shit, can you... Remind me what you were just talking about. His statement was like, it can... Oh, subliminal messaging in this, the way the guy described it. Yeah. That idea works exactly like the we only use 10% of our brain argument or theory uh, in that it is um, provably false. True. So. Or false. True. False. False. True. Mm -hmm. True, it's false. Okay, thank you. Correct. It's truly false. So, supposedly, playing Stairway to Heaven backwards produced the following lyrics. Here's to my sweet Satan. I sing because I live with Satan. He will give those with him 666. There was a little tool shed where he made us suffer. Sad Satan. <laughs> I was waiting. <laughs> Sad Satan. So other uh, other le- <laughs> Sad Satan. So other leading evangelical pastors soon followed suit, including Paul Crouch, whose Trinity Broadcasting Network did much to spread the satanic panic. I honestly didn't realize Trinity had been around that long. I didn't either. Yeah, they've yeah. been around a long time. So in 1982, Pastor Gary Greenwald began holding public lectures on the dangers of backmasking, while churches in North Carolina, Minnesota, and other states held public record smashings and burnings. The definitive authority on backmasking, however, was Jacob Aranza. Here's how, here's how effective this was. This whole moral panic was this effective. And things like, you know, the Evangelist Trinity Network and shit. They, are so, they were so effective that up until we started this podcast, uh, uh, maybe six or eight months after we started the podcast, I thought, okay, maybe we can speak like ourselves and not and still be successful. Right. Because, bro, the amount of times that I personally have said some shit about certain um, groups of people, uh, both Christian and governmental and personal entities. Um, Sort of like um, Billy Mitchell. Fuck Billy Mitchell. He's a cheater and a liar. (laughs) Um, People who I know, if they hear this, will try to sue me. Like, (laughs) 
we would never have been able to get off the ground. Yeah, true. Because of this exact thing, because of this moral fucking panic, where people would have heard me say, eat my nutsack one too many times, yeah. which would have been two times. Hell, just our logo itself, they would be panicked right now, oh, because yeah. we have a pentacle. Oh, yeah. So, I mean... And it's red? Nah. Yeah. That, no. That's even! And it's on the full moon? <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the definitive authority on backmasking, however, was Jacob Aranza, whose 1983 book, Backward Masking Unmasked, claimed that effectively every rock song, every... No one, no one said really anything, but me and Cindy both did cringe when you said that. <laughs> Every rock song ever recorded had some kind of hidden satanic message. Mm, of course it did. The book was widely read in churches across the country as part of a crusade to stop the youth of America from listening to rock music. In addition to Led Zeppelin, Aranza's book accused dozens of other acts of hiding backmasked satanic messages in their music. One popular culprit was the Eagles' 1976 classic and another topic of our episodes, Hotel California. Don't sing it. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which, when played backwards, allegedly reveals the message, Satan had him. He organized his own religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Satan hears this. He had me believe in him. <laughs> so, similarly, Cheap Trick's 1979 song, Gonna Raise Hell, yields the message, Satan holds the keys to the lock. Styx's 1981 Snowblind says Satan moves through our voices. And the aptly titled Can't Get It Out of My Head by Electric Light Orchestra uh, from ELO? ELO's 1974 album El Dorado was a slightly more cryptic, he is the nasty one. Christ, you're <laughs> infernal. He-, <laughs> he is the nasty one. <laughs> nasty. He's so nasty. <laughs> <laughs> It is said we're dead men. Everyone who has the mark will live. Because, you know, when I think of a true Satanist going forth and getting people to convert to Satanism, I think ELO. They had the e- song Evil Woman. Say. Evil Woman. Evil Woman. <laughs> Ruben wow. sang that song on Just... stage in front of people. Wow. I did better than Mike Posner. I didn't. Don't worry about it, Mike Posner. You're still the best. I don't know know who that is. He's a guy. He's one of the guys who I would listen to that song to practice. Oh, because his version was very good, and it it informed my performance quite a bit, actually. (laughs) So, not all backmasking messages were satanic. For instance, as we said already, Queen's 1980 hit "Another One Bites the Dust" allegedly conceals the message: "It's fun to smoke marijuana." Other bands accused to smoke marijuana. Devil's, the, the devil's, devil's lettuce. lettuce. Other bands accused of hiding back mass messages included Black Sabbath, Deep Purple, Slayer, and Motorhead. Now, inevitably, many artists responded to these ludicrous. Sorry, Motorhead. Who? Okay, this is just a my brain thing. Every time somebody says Motorhead, yeah. I think of the song Motorette. Who wrote that song? Uh, you're thinking of uh, Sister Christian. By Thank you, Sister Motorin. Christian. It, it's Motorin. 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 Oh, yeah. I thought it was Motorette. No. What's your price for fly? Yeah, 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 yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. So, inevitably, many artists. They were also about. Lighter. 
Uh, well, I mean, I do have a white mom. So <laughs> Many artists responded to these ludicrous allegations by deliberately hiding humorous messages in their songs. For example, the song Heavy Metal Poisoning from Styx's 1983 album Kilroy Was Here has the backmasked Latin phrase Anuit Siaptus and Novus Ordo Seclorum, translating as Providence Favors Our Undertakings and New World Order. Both mottos appear on the reverse of the Great Seal of the United States. You know what's good? Is that neither of those phrases really mean anything, which is why the government used them, (laughs) but also why people think it's for Satan. Oh, yeah. Because every time you say New World Order, people don't realize that's on your money. Mm Mm-hmm. They're like the new world order from from the eighteen or seventeen hundreds. Yeah, that's new for you. Okay, cool, good. I'm, I'm just gonna quit writing scripts. I'm just gonna find God you figure it dang out it. <laughs> again. Uh, both models appear on the reverse of the Great Seal of the United States since 1782 and are popularly associated with conspiracy theories involving the Freemasons and the Illuminati. Fucking. So, more on the nose is ELO's 1975 song, Fire on High, which, when played backwards, yields the words, this music is reversible, but time is not. Turn back, turn back, turn back, turn back. Okay, that, that's cool. That's cool. That's some Alice in Wonderland <laughs> shit. So I'm going to have to look that up tonight. Yeah. A yeah. Similar, Rock on ELO. Hell yeah. Similarly mocking message appears at the beginning of Pink Floyd's Empty Spaces from the 1980 album, The Wall. Congratulations. You have just discovered the secret message. Please send your answer to Old Pink, Care of the Funny Farm, Chalfont. Beautiful. Another um, version of that is uh, I used to watch the Game Grumps, and every Halloween they would do Ghoul Grumps. Right. And they would have like a little slightly different intro. And at the end of the intro, they would always have a reversed bit. And it was just like in between banter, them talking. Yeah. uh, And they just reversed it to make it sound creepy. And then people will, would, like, make a video of all of them stacked together. And one year, they decided to make, like, a little story. So they made, like, a little reversed play of, like, a dude getting eaten by zombies or some shit. It was very fun. So, um... Because it's ridiculous and not satanic. Yeah. And on the song, I Remember Larry, from Weird Al Yankovic's 1996 album, Bad Hair Day... Has the gem, wow, you must have an awful lot of free time on your hands. <laughs> Yet, despite Leave it to Weird Al to come through. <laughs> I love him. Despite the He's absurd so awesome. and baseless nature of the backmasking panic, it was taken seriously enough by the authorities that in 1990, the band Judas Priest found themselves in court over supposedly harmful subliminal messages in their music. See, this is what really fucks with me. Back at a courtroom. Um... <laughs> When you play music backwards, it's like the um, Green Needle Brainstorm, which yeah. is the audio equivalent of the blue dress or yeah. the yellow dress or, or whatever. Lonnie and or Yarl, Yarl, Lonnie Lani and Yarl, or whatever yeah. the fuck. Laurel and Yanni. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Where you can hear anything, right? You can hear anything, and if you're again, like the guy said earlier, if you were looking for sa- Satan, you found Satan. If you were looking for electrical impulses or whatever, you'd you'd find it. Right. You can find whatever you want to find when you reverse music because it's nonsensical. It does not mean anything. It can't. And when it does, it's because they did it on purpose, like obviously. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Usually you're to poke about. fun at it. Right. right. It never happened until afterwards. Right. So yeah, when when it's Weird Al and and pretty much no one else, don't fucking worry about it. You know? <laughs> so on December twenty third, nineteen eighty five, eighteen year old Raymond Belknap and twenty year old James Vance of Reno, Nevada ended a night of drinking, smoking marijuana, and listening to Judas Judas Priest's album Stained Class by heading to a local playground and shooting themselves. Like you do. You know what that is? Stupidity. Depression. Mm -hmm. So Vance, who survived his suicide attempt, went on to claim that he and Belknap had been driven to kill themselves by lyrics such as Let's Be Dead and Do It in the song Better By You, Better By Me. Bullshit. Yeah. Are you sure... It wasn't like their home life or bullies. Oh, no. It or... was just the song. Their life was perfect. Yeah, sure, 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 yeah sure, that's sure. why they were drinking and smoking marijuana and uh-huh. listening to Judas Priest. Uh-huh. I'm not saying, sorry, if you like Judas Priest, I'm not judging. And out alone late at night. Yeah. yeah. So. <clears throat> with something to kill themselves. So earlier in that year, a similar suit had been filed against Ozzy Osbourne and CBS Records over Osborne's song, Suicide Solution, whose lyrics had allegedly driven 19-year-old California resident John Daniel McCollum to kill himself. Also, I can't believe that these cases went anywhere. I mean, I can, because I live in that world. But, like, this that's directly in opposition to the, to the fucking First Amendment. Yeah. Directly. It's like, it's literally free speech. I say what I want. And legally, there cannot be any repercussions unless it's like hate speech or some shit like that. Right. But like musical lyrics aren't going to force anyone to do anything. As we've discussed in our Hungarian suicide song. Yeah. Correct. If they had good mental health at the time, it doesn't matter. You can listen to a suicide song 500 times. Exactly. And it's not going to make you want to kill yourself. Yeah, you might get sad. Yeah, but it's only if your mental health is already declined or mm-hmm. broken. Yep. And then you are seeking out music like that. Yep. I know people that have been really depressed and they listen to really sappy, supposedly happy music, and that makes them even more depressed. Mm-hmm. I used because to do that. they think other people are happy and I am not. I used to do that shit to myself where you would listen to like love songs and shit and just be thinking the whole time, I'll never have that. <laughs> exactly. So if your mental state is already broken. So you're listening to like. That's when you would do stuff Luther like that. Luther Vandross and shit and like really being like. Oh, Beyonce well, Lu- is never going to love Luther is a major me. Satanist. We know this. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I can't. I, I can't believe I'm going to actually out myself like this. But this just goes to show how white I am. He's glow in the dark, am, everyone. Yeah. I'm more white than Josh White. But And that says a that lot. That says a lot. Damn dog. Damn. <laughs> yeah. My first major breakup in high school. I listened on repeat. And now this was using an album. So it wasn't like I could just hit a button and go back. I had to lift the needle, bring it back to the beginning of the song. Making Love Out of Nothing at All by Air Supply. Making Love. Yeah, I was into Air Supply when I got my heart broken the first time. Well, yeah. Air Supply is a good band, but my opinion of you did just lower a couple notches, babe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So sorry. All right. So, but yeah, by the way, Ozzy Osbourne's Suicide Solution was a song about alcoholism. 
What? Ozzy yeah. was talking about alcoholism? Yeah. No way. <laughs> I can't <laughs> believe it. So, um, like Eric Clapton's cocaine, or is that him? Yeah, it's Eric yeah. Clapton. Yeah, 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 yeah. But while uh, that case had ultimately been dismissed, absolving Osborne of all responsibility for McCollum's death, Jerry Whitehead, the judge presiding over the Judas Priest lawsuit, ruled that subliminal messages did not count as speech and were thus not protected under the First Amendment. And so... How is it not speech? Are they speaking? Because I'm pretty sure that if you look in the dictionary under the word speech, I'm sure the word speaking is in there. You know, I just think it's bold of lawyers to say anything. That was a judge that said that. I think it's bold of anyone in the law. all up underneath that black robe to pull it out. (laughs) I mean, snatching shit out of thin air. Like, what are you talking about, my guy? (laughs) Number one, first of all, those that's not what they're saying. No. At all. No. And two... If they're saying it, it's speech, and if they're not, you can't do anything. Right. It's all a matter of justification. Exactly. Uh-huh. And so five years after Belknap and Vance's attempted suicide, the case went to trial. Testifying in their own defense, the band attempted to demonstrate that any supposed lim- subliminal messages in their work were completely accidental, with guitarist Glenn Tipton later recalling, it's a fact that if you play speech backwards, some of it will seem to make sense. So I asked permission to go into a studio and find some perfectly innocent phonetic flukes. The lawyers didn't want to do it, but I insisted. We brought a copy of the Stained Class album in a local rec. We bought a copy of the Stained Class album in a local record shop. Went into the studio, recorded it to tape, turned it over, and played it backwards. Right away, we found, "Hey, ma, my chair's broken." <laughs> No, not that. Give me a peppermint. (laughs) Satan's candy. (laughs) And help me keep a job. That sounds like a prayer. (laughs) What that sounds like to me. Because the job is meant to help give money to the church of Satan. Mm -hmm. You're like, mama, my chair broke. I need a peppermint. (laughs) Help me keep this job. I'm going to kill Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) See, if you had the job, then you could replace the chair. That's true. (laughs) And get your own damn peppermint. Jimmy broke my goddamn chair. (laughs) (laughs) So Bill Kerbishley, Judas Priest's manager, also questioned what motivation the band could have for including harmful subliminal messages, stating, if we were going to do that, I'd be saying, buy seven copies, not telling a couple of screwed up kids to kill themselves. Another excellent point. Why? (laughs) What purpose? Like. It's for Satan. No, it isn't. It isn't. Because even... But according to that group, it is. I know, I know. But, I mean... Because by selling their soul to Satan, that's how they sold the albums to be able to get the new chair. But, like, okay, that's what I'm saying, though. Is, like, wouldn't you think that the more efficient way would be literally a pyramid scheme? Yes. It would be, like... Get 10 of your closest friends to listen to this album yeah, and Ruben, have them Ruben, go Ruben. buy it. Stop being logical. You cannot involve logic in this sort of thing. Wow. Be outside the logic box. We're wow. talking about the prototype for the people who now believe that JFK is still alive and is going to be president. That's real. Oh, the JFK is alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've going to be president. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's running next year. 
yeah, okay. So, meanwhile, the prosecution was firmly convinced that Judas Priest and other bands... It's because he's a lizard person. Yeah. Yeah, they live for years. They live forever. He just shed. He just regrew a new head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. They put him in the regen tank, like in (laughs) Dragon Ball Z. There you go. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, the prosecution was firmly convinced that Judas Priest and other bands deliberately placed harmful messages in their music, and that these messages were capable of subconsciously influencing the thoughts of vulnerable youth. That's what I would do, too, is like I would take my music, any music. In fact, I would take a recording of somebody reading the Bible, and I would play that backwards in court and just wait for somebody to be like, see, there, and then just play it forwards from there and watch while they realize they're in Deuteronomy or whatever. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you say the word dog or God and you say it backwards, that's dog. Mm -hmm. So anyways. Yeah, it's because sounds it's all it's almost like the human uh we only make a certain number of sounds and they all can sound pretty similar. And the fact that there's like six letters in our alphabet out of twenty six that end in E. Yeah. Like Yeah. Come on. Yep. We they all everything sounds the same. That's what we do. Plus on a record it was always kind of muffled anyway. Right. Yeah. Plus you have to take into account the sound of the music. Sound of the music, yes. sound of the uh, Hidden under a beat or a guitar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So as the attorney for the Belknap family said during the trial, I believe that alcohol and heavy metal music such as Judas Priest led us to be mesmerized. Judas Priest and CBS pander this stuff to alienated teenagers. The members of the chess club, the math and science majors don't listen to this stuff. It's the dropouts, the drug and alcohol abusers. So our argument is you have a duty to be more cautious when you're dealing with a population susceptible to this stuff. Go ahead, my man. I just can't (laughs) understand how people think that. Like, how do you think certain types of music are for certain types of people? It's elitism. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. It is. Because... You know who I know who appreciated Beethoven and and like classical music before any of the band kids that I went to school with? The fucking stoner rock and roll kids, the punks, the kids who literally had a garage band. Right. Like, because of course they did. Because they're looking and they're thinking, man, how do I make the craziest shit of all time? Oh, Beethoven made the craziest shit? Why? You're right. Why? And then they look and they're like, oh, shit, this actually kind of fucking slaps. Right. I want to make some shit that slaps. Right. And like, that's how musicians do. And like, I don't know about you, but I don't know. I don't think 100% of those kids graduated. Like, we had a pretty high rate of graduation, you know, when I was at school. But some of them kids left or went off to do other things and never finished high school. And it's not because they were unsuccessful or whatever, or because they were listening to a certain type of music. Like my dad, a black man who lived through literal race riots at us at, in, you know, in school in the seventies, um, like right. he listens to Dolly Parton. He fucking loves Dolly Parton. Who doesn't me? Oh, <laughs> I think she sounds like a goat. Oh! I'm sorry. Ruben! I think she's a wonderful lady, a person, a beautiful human being, but I don't like her music even a little bit. I'm sorry. 
you're allowed to have your opinion, even if it's wrong. I mean, yeah, I know. And I recognize that it's wrong. <laughs> I do. It's Dolly Parton. But, like, you, like, that isn't, that ain't for black people. You know what I'm saying? Oh, no, I get that. I get that. That's I'm just trying to get at nobody listens to a certain type of music. They listen to the music they like. Right. And because my dad likes Dolly Parton, regardless of who it was marketed to in the whenever she was, you know, making music and going to concerts and whatever, Dolly World and all, all Dollywood, whatever Dollywood. it's called. Like, yeah, sure. That feels like we should say that's for white people. No, it's for working class people mm-hmm. who yeah. lived in the South. Like, <laughs> But also, I personally find offense to what you just said because saying that the elite group of people would not be listening to that kind of music, right. that's kind of bullshit. Because yeah, because then how else were they finding out about it? I was a very good girl. I didn't color outside the lines. Yeah. And I had beyond a 4.0 before getting extra credit was a thing. Mm-hmm. I earned my 4.0. Yeah, I coasted and through school I and I still graduated to... with honors. And I was literally just talking about fighting with my mom about Eminem. Exactly. <laughs> like... We still listen to that kind of music. It did not throw us off of our productive path. It did not lead us to Satan. Well, in a very roundabout way, mine did, but only because people think Satan exists so much about the things we talk about. Like, yeah, It didn't lead you to Satan. It caused you to open your mind and be a free thinker. That's fair. There yeah. is a difference. But perfect of, of just cultural bias in my mind. There was a girl I went to high school with, and uh, she's no longer with us, but um, she was that when you think all American girl next door, mm-hmm. that was her blonde hair, eighties or nineties, late eighties, early nineties. Heard. So, so we're talking like bright colors, bright colors. Yeah, she was like she, headbands and shit. Yeah, yeah, and she would, you know, she was like the real soft spoken, very friendly, the good, the prototypical good girl, mm-hmm, good mm-hmm. all American. Her girl. name would have been Jenny or Katie. It was Deanna. Like yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't until years later, I, you know, I was friends with her on Facebook, and she shared a picture of a concert she was at. Mm-hmm. This prototypical good girl was at an Iron Maiden concert. Yeah. Nice. And I'm like- Iron Maiden shreds. <laughs> like, I was like, I never knew you liked Iron Maiden. And she's like, I've always loved Iron Maiden. I was like, well, damn. All right. I, that's one thing I wish I could teach younger me in the past, where it's like, nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit. Like, you think that the things that you like, you know the thing that taught me that, that exact lesson? What? Was, um, and if she ever hears this, shouts out to Danielle from high school. Um, I learned about Crunchyroll through this girl named Danielle. And Danielle was real smart. She was in band, you know, band kid shit. That kind of track. And I was into manga with two of my friends named um, Megan and, and Brandy. And I would borrow manga from them and we would talk about it. And we read all these weird, all this weird shit. And I did not learn about how to watch anime until Danielle, a black girl who never, ever hung out with us, 
um, told me about Crunchyroll. And it, whenever I started asking her, like, what do you watch? Like, I, I only read manga. What, what it, you know, I don't know what to watch first. Like, what do I, none of the shit that I'm reading right now has an adaptation because this was the early 2000s and nothing had been translated yet or made for some of the stuff that we that we like now. But, like, she, she told me about Naruto and Bleach and stuff. And that's who got me into anime was a black girl in high school in the 2000s. Like, not the prototype. That's not what you would think. Right. That's just goes to show you can't, you can't get hung up on what people look like or how they sound. Cause like, if you're thinking black girl, like you're thinking like, I don't know what kind of black girl you're thinking. She was like skinny and like average height, but very smart, musically inclined, well-spoken, intelligent young woman type. And I don't know. It it just really, it, and I'm biracial. So like you would have thought that I would have known this by now, but (laughs) I hadn't figured it out yet. And it, it just goes to show you like you can't, really judge a book by any kind of cover you can actually you know what let me rephrase that you can judge books by their cover that's what the cover's there for but people have skin to keep the soft stuff inside that's all like you don't need to worry about the outside covering right so my shit is not an advertisement it's a protection against the weather you know yeah so i'm sorry give me just a second okay So much of the prosecution's case was based on the theories of David John Oates, who claimed that when people speak, they subconsciously produce hidden backmass messages that, when played in reverse, reveal the innermost thoughts. Oates' theories, however, (laughs) have been roundly dismissed as pseudoscience, and none of the prosecution's expert witnesses were able to supply convincing evidence for subliminal messaging and subconscious manipulation. I just, when were they going to, anybody who believed that, when were they going to record them and reverse what they said? No, 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 no. You don't have to do that. You just... Because I want to know, like, if you think Don't this... expect science to prove right. it. Come on now. Come on. Come on. <laughs> so nonetheless, the bizarre trial dragged on for nearly a month. With... Get it together, the past. <laughs> with... <laughs> with singer Rob Halford later recalling, we had to sit in this courtroom in Reno for six weeks. It was like Disney World. We had no idea what a subliminal message was. It was just a combination of some weird guitar sounds and the way I exhaled between lyrics. <laughs> I did not even think about that. What if they don't even know what the fuck you're talking about? That's, yeah. Like, wow. <laughs> like, hey, it, that's a word I've never heard before. What? Do, what? Like, <laughs> So, um, I had to sing Better By You, Better By Me in court a cappella. I think that was when the judge thought, what am I doing here? No band goes out of its way to kill its fans. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So indeed, Judge Whitehead Mm -hmm. ultimately dismissed the case, ruling that, quote, the scientific research presented does not prove that subliminal stimuli, even if perceived, may precipitate conduct of this magnitude. The strongest evidence presented at the trial showed no behavioral effects other than anxiety, distress, and tension. But while this verdict was a victory for Judas Priest and musicians everywhere, it still left a dark cloud over the music industry. With Rob Halford lamenting, it tore us up emotionally hearing someone say to the judge and the cameras and that this is a band that creates music that kills young people. 
We accept that some people don't like heavy metal, but we can let them convince, we can't let them convince us that it's a negative and destructive, that it is negative and destructive. Heavy metal is a friend that gives people great pleasure and enjoyment and helps them come through hard times. In the end, the advent, the advent of the compact. Yeah, heavy, like even my mom likes that one song where they're like, it's just one of those days, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you just want to wake up or where's my motherfucking chainsaw and shit? Like, <laughs> Is that Limp Biscuit? Yes, I think. <laughs> Is that the one about it's all about the he said, she said? Yes, yeah, yes. That's Limp Biscuit. Yeah, but I it's like. I cannot imagine your mom jamming out to that. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> right? <laughs> and she fucking loves that song. She Go calls it her chainsaw mom. song. <laughs> I love her. And like everybody wants to hear like I don't want to go harm anyone or cause destruction to property cuz I'm not that energetic. Like I'm too <laughs> tired. But like I sure do want to hear somebody be mad for me. Yeah. Like, exactly. sometimes, like, especially if I'm, you know, having a real bad time, like, I'm just like, I don't know how to fucking deal with this. I just turn on some something mean and just <laughs> listen to that for a little while and feel better. Because people just want to feel something. And if you're not necessarily feeling it at that time, sometimes you just want to feel the emotion anyway. Yeah. And a lot of metal is really just dance music with a harder beat. Yes. Yeah. Or a harder guitar. Like... It's just go out there and move around real, real a whole lot. Bang your head a little bit. Yeah. The, the only music I can say that I feel has an effect on me physically is Rob Zombie. And that is only because if I'm driving and Rob Zombie comes on, I'm going to speed up. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. That's like, that's just the thing. Like, I oft it doesn't matter what kind of music I'm listening to. If I, the way that I judge what kind of music I want to be listening to right now as like an ADHD person is. If I turn on a song, do I does does my body begin to move? Do I do I nod my head or tap my fingers or like, you know, am I actively listening to the music or is it just on in the background? You know what I mean. And if I'm actively listening, and that that means like it's caught my attention, and I'm like singing along a little bit, or I'm nodding, or whatever it is, like. Whatever gets a reaction. Right. Every music is going to do that to somebody. Right. And of course, there are real scientific um, tests and, and studies that show that, you know, yes, the reason why Adele sounds sad is because she uses different chords than the pop song. Right. But like, we already knew all that. Yep. You know, we knew what sad music sounded like versus happy music when there were no lyrics. Yeah. You know? We've been doing that for a long time. So in the end, the advent of the compact disc and the increased difficulty of playing songs in reverse led to the decline of backmasking and the controversy surrounding the practice. Yet purported examples of hidden messages in music continue to pop up from time to time. For example, the 2009 Justin Bieber hit Baby allegedly contains the following message. Satan. Acknowledge my Lord, Lord. He's here. I'm the evil one. Satanic new world. New world. New world. I want no. it. Let me no. in. Let me in. No. Yay war. Let me in. Let no. me in. Let me in. Yay war. Did they see Justin Bieber back then? <laughs> really? A literal child. Yeah. What better way to succumb to Satan? He's already a youth gone wild. He's already in league with the Dark Lord. 
It wow, Ruben is speechless. He is. I'm just mad about all of this. <laughs> while playing 2008's song Sweet Dreams backwards, or while playing Beyonce's 2008 song Sweet Dreams backwards, purportedly reveals, Hail Satan, Hail Satan, I am worthy, I am worthy, Satan. I am sorry for the end of your sins. <laughs> yeah, well, Destiny's Child song declared that she needed a soldier, okay, to take <laughs> care of her. Because they're going to live in hell. <laughs> Because they're going to live in hell. Hail Satan. I am worthy. I am worthy. I follow Lucifer. Hail Satan. Because they're going to live in hell. I follow Lucifer. Okay, well, this just proved why Beyonce is so popular. Exactly. That's the point. That's that's what happened. I, I always wondered why. Y'all remember it has when nothing Beyonce... to do with her fame or with her talent. Y'all remember when Beyonce danced and sang at the Super Bowl and people were real, real mad because her costumes were... Sort of, kind of, evocative of a Black Panther thing. Yeah. And she was doing the triangle Mm -hmm. and the one eye. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that. I can't wait to see what they do with Rihanna. 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 Mm. So. They couldn't fucking touch Rihanna if they tried. (laughs) Oh, but they will try. They'll try. Oh, they've been trying. I guarantee. (laughs) Q is already gearing up. I can just. I'm sure they are salivating. Hell, right they were now. saying last year's with Dr. Dre before it even happened was satanic. They hadn't <laughs> even seen it and they were saying it was satanic. Yeah, of course they were. That's what their job is now. But just like in the 70s and the 80s, the supposedly satanic rants are nothing more than strange coincidences and in some cases, a lot of generous interpretation of what one is hearing. Uh huh. Or as recent research has revealed, it's nearly impossible to write lyrics which are comprehensible when played both forwards and backwards, except by complete accident or through laborious trial and error. Nor is there any evidence that such... Yeah, it's like if you want to put subliminal messages in your song, you would have to say ridiculous things to begin with. Like, And these people are just trying to get a hit album. They don't have time to be messing with stuff like that. Right. If every song you heard was like biscuits, butter... Uh, <laughs> cops and cheese like then you you know what i'm saying you'd be like what the fuck is he talking about i mean you play oh, this do backwards. that again do that again <laughs> i'm not gonna um, come on it'll be it's, it's recorded butter, you can hear it as on. many times as you'd like but it's like butters cops and cheese it's really like for real though it's like what you have you what are you what do you think if you want to say hail satan backwards is like Yes, we can, apparently. No. <laughs> no, it isn't. No, it isn't. But, like, you would just have to say the most ridiculous sentences you've ever heard. Yeah. That make zero sense. Like, sentences so crazy that I cannot do it. I can't make one up because it wouldn't. You can't. You may, have to. may I go mango dog food to the banana patch? Pretty much. Yeah. And then. If every song started like that and you had to reverse music, music would you would not listen. You, and you also have to assume that the person listening is going to have the ability to hear it backwards mm-hmm. because otherwise well, no, the, your uh, the, work your work is for nothing. The idea is is that subliminal or subconsciously your brain is playing it backwards. Whatever. No. Subconsciously my brain is just trying to make it through the day. I heard that. So, nor is there any evidence that such reverse messages can be consciously or unconsciously understood, let alone influence the listener's behavior. In the end, backmasking is still what it has always been, a mere case of pareidolia, of hearing what we want to hear. Yes. And before we wrap up, I told Cindy, because it was perfect, 
perfect timing for what we were talking about. Have you heard the song, the Sam Smith song, Unholy? I don't. The think mommy so. don't know daddy's getting off at the body shop doing something unholy. No. Okay. Well, no matter what, that's been a big song this year. It was big mm-hmm. on TikTok and everything. But Sam Smith. Yeah. Which it, one is he? They. He's a non-binary. Um, he's sing. He's saying, "Get me to the church." I don't know. He's I'm yeah. Looking, he's I'm an look amazing singer. Yeah, he's got a good voice, but it's a big song this year, and it sounds familiar. He say or they sang the song with a by uh, not by oh, yeah. um um uh, trans woman. Mm-hmm. It was a big hit. They performed it at the Grammys. The song is called "Unholy." He performed it dressed in a red suit with a fedora that had horns. Okay. Oh, okay. The yeah. stage was bathed in red light, and she was in a cage in the back singing her part mm-hmm. with fire on the stage mm-hmm. and literally everybody lost their fucking mind saying that it was a satanic ritual aired in public on national television this is clear to me that that is true oh yeah absolutely mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's nothing it's to just do- like that one song by um Lil Nas X oh yeah the yeah but not the fuck what's it called I don't Mon- know. Mon- Montero Montan yeah, sure. Yeah, the, it's whatever. Call me when you want. Call yeah, me yeah, in yeah. the mo- yeah. When he it's gives Satan a lap a dance. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He gives Satan a lap dance in the video, and everybody was like, <gasps> "Yeah, Satan!" And then he went one better and created a thing of Nike shoes that were satanic, had yeah, pentacles and six six six. Then he was like, "Fuck y'all!" Yeah, that's awesome. literally what he did. Yep. So that wraps it up. Holy crap! That wraps it up. Um, we're gonna get back on track. Um. Uh. COVID can't stop us. Uh, if Ruben gets sick, he's just going to have to power through it because Josh and I both had it now. So I was going to do that anyway. <laughs> he's going to go in and lick all the mics before before we get there. No, Josh Josh was like, normally I'd ask you know if you want to hang out after recording, but you know COVID and whatnot. And I was like, bro, I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> I don't care. Like, I mean, it just depends because when I had it, it was just a bad head cold. I she ha- had it, it was a bad chest cold. Actually, when I had it, it was more like the flu. Yeah. If I've but had they it, have medicine now. If I've had it, it's been so mild that I never fucking noticed it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and 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 my mom had it when she was still living, at, you know, in the same place, and like, all, everybody I know, not everybody, but a good portion of the people I know have had it. During the pandemic, I worked at a restaurant, no yeah. mask, like I never had a symptom. Right. Um, so, but, so we're going to wrap this up. Um, ever since we started doing the thing at the beginning, I can't think of how to wrap it up. We don't. That's the point is we just kind of keep talking, just keep talking and then just fade and out. Eventually we're like, oh, okay, we're done. Well, um, <laughs> that's how that works. So, you know, the routine, you, you got to fuck cancer and it's stupid ass. Josh um, would say to be good, be um, good to, to yourself. somebody. I'm not sure who. And you're more resilient than you think. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, sure. <laughs> uh, some people believe that most times. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so next week we the next week I promise. I had a real good joke and I forgot it. On all that is unholy, that we will be talking about <laughs> Anton Lavey, the Church of Satan, and the Satanic Temple. We're gonna get back on track on this, and then uh, we got a couple uh, episodes not written by me coming up. So yep. I'm gonna be doing one. Josh is doing. Josh has done one. 
Yeah, he's doing another. He's actually going to, we're revisiting uh, Highgate Vampire. Yeah, I'm excited about that I one. We've too. been talking about that for a long time. Since we got the first one, yeah. Uh, we're finally getting back to that. So, on behalf of everybody here, I've been Don. I've been, you know, uh, uh, what did I say last time? Oh, um, fuck. Something quadruped. A, ch- a chubby quadruped? Or plump quadruped. Plump quadruped. There it is. And I'm Cindy, also known as Josh Tonight. Josh Tonight. Josh Tonight. And we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.